It's time to roll up our sleeves and get to work. This is Up and to the Right for the 44th week of 2016. And this episode is all about being a choosy tool user. There are a lot of tools out there, and their sales copy would have us believe that they will solve our problems. But every decision we make as small business owners can have immediate and significant impact for better or worse. So what can we do to make sure that the, we make the best possible decisions when it comes to choosing tools? Welcome to Up and to the Right, the no-nonsense podcast bringing you the art and science of business. This is where we cover things that matter to small business owners, startups, and people interested in becoming entrepreneurs. We talk about increasing revenue, not buzzwords, decreasing costs, not short-term trends, and good operating practices, not theories. This is about sound business principles and how to apply them in your individual business situation. So first up this week in the news segment, I want to talk a little bit about a website upgrade that I've done. I went through and refreshed uh, beyond50percent.com. And if there are any broken links or missing copy that um, is obvious, please let me know. Uh, just email me at fix.it at b50p.com. That's fix.it at b50p.com. And let me know and I'll, I'll get that stuff fixed right away. So that's the only announcement we've got this week. We'll get right into the main topic. And that is, if you have a problem in your business, how do you choose a tool to fix it? So moving right into the main topic here, you've identified a problem in your business. How do you choose a, the right tool to fix it? Well, I think we need to step back a little bit and say, what do we use tools for in business and what is a tool to begin with? And I'm not trying to oversimplify this. I, I think it's important to frame this discussion so that we all have a common understanding of what um, of all of the tools that actually impact our daily lives. If you're a carpenter, a tool could be a hammer or a screwdriver or, uh, or even your truck. If uh, a lot of my work is done on computers, so computers are important tools for the, the work that I do. Um, if you travel a lot for business, if you're a salesperson or, or um, a sales rep or something, um, planes might be a tool that you would use. So what we use tools for are to create products, as in the carpenter, to fix problems, to improve a process or become more efficient, and ultimately we want to increase revenue or reduce cost through the use of a tool. A tool is basically anything that allows us to have leverage to increase the value of the time that we're using in our work. So what are some of the benefits and consequences of tool choice? Well, the first thing is, it might seem obvious, but uh, when you're, when you're Sorry, I had a little trouble with my notes there. Uh, so it might seem obvious that there are costs and benefits to look at when you're buying a tool. The question we have to really ask and answer is are we looking at those questions uh, or, or those costs and benefits objectively? And are we looking at the right costs and benefits? So some of the benefits to choosing a tool are obviously improved efficiency 
happier customers, increased productivity, improved products, the creation of the product in the first place, things like that. The cost, the first cost, and the cost that everyone will immediately get is the actual cash cost, the cost of the tool. Um, but, but we also need to consider how long does it take to learn to use the tool? And what is your time worth? What is it going to take? How long is it going to take to implement a tool? And what is that time worth? It might not be just your time. It might be your time. It might be a coworker's time. It might also be a vendor's time or even a customer's time. So we need to consider the time component of making a change or implementing a tool. What is the loss of revenue due to the change? Now, obviously, any loss of revenue is expected to be short, but you need to think about if I'm not able to do something during the time that I'm implementing or learning about this tool, or I'm less efficient at it, I may lose revenue while I'm trying to improve my business. And what is the cost of that? What is the risk of that? And then what's the opportunity cost? What could I be doing um, instead of spending the time learning and implementing uh, a new tool? So it's important to make considerations uh, or to take those things into consideration when you choose a tool. So how do we prevent uh, someone else's marketing from making a tool choice for us. And this is probably one of the biggest dangers I think we have as small business owners is that um, we let the, the marketing from other companies tell us the tool we need to do our jobs. And so you need to identify the tools that can be helpful to you in your business. And if you have to say, well, if I buy this and then start doing X every day, you should really stop and put thought into that. Because if a tool requires a change of habit, uh, the first thing to do is consider a different tool that will fit more appropriately into the habits that you already have. Um, or make sure you, you've, you understand the full scope of what that change will require. A lot of times businesses... Uh, look at a shiny new tool and think, well, the results that the salesperson is quoting are really great and I want that for my business. But when we actually start to implement it, we haven't taken into consideration the impact on, my, on our business or how we do business in the first place. So there's a lot at stake, especially when you're buying an expensive tool. And let's, let's, um, uh, we'll use maybe an accounting system, for example, uh, could be something that would impact your business uh, switching from, from one to the other or going from a paper system to your first digital system. So how can we choose tools more objectively and more appropriately? The first thing to do is ask the better questions. Marketers want us to see products from the product out, shiny new features, benefits, the cost, assuming it's a cost competitive uh, kind of marketplace or emotion or a cause, for example, uh, uh, environmental cause or something like that. So that's where marketers want us to keep our attention focused. But as a business consumer, we have to shift our, our focus away from the product and realign it to the business results that that tool is going to provide for our business. 
And so ask not what the tool can do for your business, but what you can do for the manufacturer's stock price. No, <laughs> that's not right. Ask not what the tool can do for you, but what result you want to change in your business. And it's it has to be focused on, on the results within the business. So what do we do instead? Well, the first thing is what do you want to change? And we ask ourselves this and we say, we need to be very specific. Uh, and so let's take a, an example. You want to make sure that you get your most important tasks done on time. And I don't know a single person in small business that doesn't have time management concerns uh, because there is absolutely more than we can possibly get done in the time that we have. So what actions, symptoms, behaviors do I currently use to achieve the results I currently get? Okay, well, let's say I, if I'm uh, trying to make sure I get tasks done, I try to remember and I use some kind of paper day planner. That's great, but we've already identified that we're not getting the results that we want for our business. So we have to do something different. So what changes would help me achieve that result? Well, you might answer, I don't know. And now I'm overwhelmed and I have no idea what to do. Or you might just buy the top rated to do app for your phone. You might try a new or different day planner. You might read a book and there are, there's a whole industry surrounding um, getting, getting more work done. There's Seven Habits by Stephen Covey. There's Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy. There's GTD or Getting Things Done by David Allen. Um, and, and those are just the tip of the iceberg. So the, uh, the next thing to do is to not be overwhelmed by the problem. And I am not trying to trivialize this by using the, a, a to-do app as uh, a tool example. Uh, time is the one thing that we cannot make more of ever. So understanding how to, how to use tools to get the most out of our time is actually a very, very important business decision. And if you assume that what you're doing works or you assume that uh, this next product is going to fix whatever ails your time management, um, you put that at risk. So let's take a breath, relax, get to our happy place and use a different way to find out which tools we should be using. So I mentioned earlier that what we need to do is look at what we're currently doing that gets the results we're currently getting. What tools are we using? Why doesn't that, why aren't we getting the results that we want using the tool that we're using now? What part of our system is breaking down? Where is the system working? And this is really important. It is very, very important to identify what is working in your system, because that is what we can leverage to create a system that will fit into our own workflows and our own habits much better than trying to cookie cutter something into our lives that we, that we don't currently use. So the next thing to do, so why are you using the tool that you're using? Or, or I, excuse me, 
First question, what tools are you using? The next question is why are you doing it the way that you do it in the first place? And this can go all over the map. It can be, I learned it uh, in a big company that I used to work for. Uh, when I was in the Navy, we'd always have people come to our, our boats. I was on submarines, so they would come to our boat and they would talk about, well, on my old boat, I used to do something X, Y, Z. And we used to uh, call them used to boat stories because it's what you used to do on your old boat. Anyway, so did you learn it somewhere previously? That could be great at that previous place. But if the conditions in your new place are not the same or similar as the conditions that were in place uh, where that process was successful, you might not have the same result now that you did back then. So you might just do it. You might just do it that way. You might not have a real, what we might want to call a quantifiable reason. You might be trying to use a system. You might have identified 10 years ago that I'm not good at remembering, so I'm going to use uh, a day planner, or I'm going to use GTD, or uh, GTD is getting things done. It's a, a program uh, I mentioned by David Allen. Uh, or I might want to try this new app. And so I, I use this app because it was the highest rated on iTunes or I found it or one of my friends recommended it. Um, the, the point is, at least try to identify why you're using the system that you're using now. Because the bottom line is there could be an important reason that you use a certain method. And there's a couple of examples, food safety, FDA, medical device safety, uh, business liability, there are reasons to have specific processes, and it's a mistake to discount those in the search for something new. So then, making a switch. We just talked a little earlier about the costs of, of adapting to a new tool, and those costs can be very high both in time and cash. And as a small business owner, we don't have a ton of cash to throw around. So the first thing to do is to leverage your strengths. Don't try to, to fix weaknesses first. Always look at what you're doing that is working and leverage that. So if you have some success with paper, but you are very bad with electronics, getting the latest to-do app for your phone is not likely to provide you the results that you're hoping for. Embrace the paper. It is okay to use paper even in 2016. Find the parts of your process that are working and try to build on existing habits rather than form fully new habits. Complement what works as much as possible then start to counteract what isn't working. Just because you're not getting the results you want doesn't mean that you're doing everything wrong. Habits are tough to change and they're expensive. It costs a lot of time and a lot of energy to make a change like that. And, and there are entire industries around habit change. It is not a trivial event. So, I'm not saying don't change. If you have a, a solution that you say, okay, I am going to need to create a new habit around this, 
um, and it's the best choice for your business, then by all means, do what it takes to change that habit. But what I want to make sure that people do is do that intentionally. Do it with a plan because changing a habit um, is one of the reasons that people end up go, getting excited about a tool, using it for 30 days, and all of a sudden nobody even remembers its name. And now you've spent all this time and energy trying to create an impact on your business and dropped it to the wayside because it didn't fit into your workflow. And, and we don't want to do that because we don't have time. So change costs. It costs time. It costs money. It costs emotional energy. And it's paid for with some other part of your life. Whether that part of your life is less time selling or late nights and less time with your family, it costs. So choosing a new tool. Assuming you need a new tool, which you may have identified earlier on, well, maybe maybe the tool's not the problem. Maybe, maybe uh, I just need to turn my piece of paper sideways and it'll work better. I, you know, whatever works. So assuming you need a new tool, what would complement the parts of your process that work? Now, additive, not, not subtractive. Don't take something away and replace it. What can we add to it that complements the way that things are working? And, you know, some questions to ask, will you be able to share the new tool as much as you need to in your business? And, and this and, and mobility are the real payoffs for the electronic revolution that we're seeing today, the mobile revolution, where, where you could almost, uh, I think a clever photographer could probably buy an iPhone and run their entire business off of it, from shooting the photos, to editing them, to selling them, to maintaining the website, to answering phone calls and performing customer service activities. I think it could all be done. And there are probably other businesses where that could follow. So, you know, there's a, a big payoff in information sharing and mobility when it comes to electronics, if those things work for your business. So can you share it as much as you need to in your, in, in your operation? And if we take the continue the example of the, the getting things done of, of um, you know, uh, making sure you remember to do the important stuff, the, that may be fine to be in a paper planner on your desk. If you're not needing to share uh, a lot of that information with other people in your organization on a regular basis, will it allow for growth or just getting the job done today? And thank you for that alarm. I thought I silenced everything. Very sorry about that interruption. So uh, can it, uh, will the tool grow with your business or is it just going to be good enough for today? And the idea, the, uh, the tendency might be to say, well, I've got to have something that will scale, will get bigger, will grow with my business. Maybe. You might need something that'll scale. And if you do, great. Consider it. Is it 
readily available or replaceable. And what the, what I'm talking about here is single source solutions. And I'm I'm very nervous about anytime I have a solution that's offered to me as a business person that I can't get from more than one place. Uh, uh, accounting software falls into this category pretty quick because you can once you're in an accounting system. Uh, it becomes a single source unless you want to go through a tremendous amount of difficulty to convert to a new system. So is it proprietary software? Is it, uh, you know, I, I, let's go back to a different example. Uh, last week I talked about my Moleskine notebooks. Is that a sole source solution? Well, yeah, except that it's easily replaceable with a spiral notebook which I could use. I wouldn't like it as much maybe, but I could use it. So the, the, is, is the solution you're looking at a proprietary one source, single source solution that will be difficult to move away from? Or is it something that is more ubiquitous that you can get anywhere? And flexibility matters. The last thing I wanna talk about in, in this segment is can you afford it? There is always another way to do good work. So don't ever get caught in the can you afford not to sales tactic. You can always find a different way. And if you're a startup or you're a small business and you don't have a tremendous amount of cash, the other way might be the right answer. If your revenue will not support the cost of a new tool, you need to do a serious amount of thinking before you invest in a, a new purchase. Um, example right now for, for me, for beyond 50%, I would like to see an upgrade in the, in the video quality and, uh, that, that, we're, that we're doing. And I would like to get a, a Sony a7R II to, do, to shoot the videos and a new iMac to edit the videos. I'd like to be able to shoot in 4K I'd like to be able to edit it down to, to 1080 or, or 720 or whatever I decide. Um, but both, and, and both of those are good tools. The Sony a7R II is a good tool. The iMac is a good tool and I'm familiar with Mac technology. So um, both of them fit within my current workflow. I, right now I shoot with a, with a 5D Mark II, which is uh maybe 10 or 15, 10 or 12 years old now, um, and edit on a MacBook Pro. So, but both of these new things would fit into my existing workflow. They're good tools, but relatively speaking, they're both expensive. And uh, for anybody out there trying to do the math, it ends up being about $8,500 worth of investment. And right now I've decided that the, uh, that those expenses have to be put off for beyond 50%. And so the 5D Mark II is a little bit soft uh, in the video. Uh, the low light performance is not as good as the uh, A7R II. And my, uh, and my 2015 MacBook Pro is, uh, it, it wouldn't have the, the horsepower to edit 4K video, I don't think very well. Um, I haven't actually had to because I don't have a camera that will shoot it, but that's my concern. So 
that that would be a great goal. I'm looking forward to the day that I can make those improvements. Uh, but there are a lot of people who make very good videos with an iPhone and a $50 lavalier mic. And so does that mean that the, that the A7R2 and the new iMac are off the budget? Not forever, but just not now. So uh, though it may be the uh, A7R3 by the time I get around to purchasing it, which is fine, it'll just have more features and be a better camera. But it is better to ship products using tools you can afford than to upgrade and put your financial health at risk. So expense follows revenue. And with that, let's get to the suggested action section. So what do we do about all of this? Um, I've made choosing a new day planner into quite a project. And while I believe very strongly in, in being uh, very intentional about how you use your time, um, and I don't want to trivialize this topic, I think it's something that everybody can relate to. So I've uploaded a worksheet that you can use to jumpstart uh, or as a memory aid at uh, b50p.com slash 2016w44, which is the post for this episode. That's b50p.com forward slash 2016w44. If you're like me, you're looking at tools in one form or another pretty much all the time, whether it's a stapler, a CNC machine, or a new computer. Um, there's always uh, things for business owners to be looking at uh, to improve the business or just even to create our products. So before you make that next purchase, consider making sure that the tool you use uh, will or excuse me, making sure the tool you choose will be the tool that you use. And that it's suitable to achieve the results that you're trying to meet and not just well marketed. So the, the, the worksheet that I've uh, created basically just reminds you to answer, it gives some tips. It asks some questions to help you identify the, the scope of the tool that you really need and what's working for you? What is working for you now? And I can't stress that enough. Please look at that when you're buying a tool. Don't look at what's not working first. Look at what is working and what you can leverage to improve. And then finally, there are um, some check marks uh, beside the, the kind of helps you categorize uh, the way that you do business successfully. If you are very into um, all digital solutions, or if you like paper products when it comes to, for example, the, the to-do apps, um, then, uh, then great. It helps you kind of identify those things. So uh, to continue with that, uh, with that uh, topic of the to-do app, uh, what for the tools of the tread segment, I wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, some low tech, a, a low tech sort of solution and a high tech solution for um, to do apps. And these are both things that I use uh, one more than the other. And the, so the low tech to do app that I recommend everybody go look at, especially if you are uh, a paper user, uh, is called Dash Plus. And it was developed by Patrick R. Hone and 
he can be reached at patrickardhone.com, which is, there's a link on the show notes. Um, and it's basically just a, a, a group of symbols that are all based on the dash that you can use to uh, organize the things that you need to get done and what the status of them is. It's pretty handy. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't use it very much, uh, at least not reliably. Uh, when I'm writing, uh, I tend to, some days I'll use Dash Plus very, very religiously, and then other days um, I end up scratching something out or using a check mark or some completely random and new symbol. symbol. So not very consistent when it comes to um, uh, using the Dash Plus myself, but I do find it uh, to be one of the best paper-based uh, to-do systems that I've I've found, and it's free. I mean, all you have to do is learn the symbols, and you can use it. You can certainly adapt it. It's very easy to adapt to your own workflow, and and try it out. On the high tech side, uh, there are so many to-do apps. I can't even. I wouldn't even try to mention them all. Uh, even I wouldn't even try to mention all the ones I've tried, and there are many that I have not. Uh, and so what I will recommend that people look at is Nozbe, which is N-O-Z-B-E dot com. Uh, it, it's easy to use. It has email integration through forwarding, so you forward your email to a specific Nozbe address. And uh, that email will appear in your inbox as a to-do item. It's cross-platform, which is very important. In fact, I'm going to, uh, I don't think next week, but in the, next, in the coming weeks, I'm going to talk specifically as a main topic about cross-platform uh, and why it is so important. What I mean by that is that the application works consistently across Windows, Mac, and iOS, which are the three operating systems that I regularly use, and I do believe they have uh, Android application as well. The other thing that Nosby has that I like is calendar integration. So it actually, uh, at least with, with Google Calendar, uh, and so it actually can put to-do items uh, on your calendar. I don't use it so much looking at the calendar side um, in terms of, of looking at my my uh, busy cal calendar and saying, okay, what, uh, what do I have to do today? I actually use it inside Nosby's. There's, there's a calendaring function that shows you everything you need to do in a given week. And that's where I find the, the calendaring the most convenient. So, uh, Nosby.com, uh, really good product. And I have, um, uh, used many of these and found it to be the easiest uh, and with the best integration in terms of email, Evernote, and calendar. Really like that one. So uh, a couple of things before we tie up uh, these two topics, the tools of the trade and, uh, and the suggested action. Uh, if, you, if you have uh, a tool that you like for, um, for getting, getting work done that fits into this kind of of uh, tool of the trade segment, uh, go ahead and leave a comment and let us know. There, there are a lot of them out there, and I know that my workflow is not going to be the same as as everybody's workflow. Um, so the more ideas that we can get out there, the better. 
so that people can choose a solution that really works for them and leverages what they are already good at versus trying to adapt to uh, uh, a new way of, of working. And that doesn't have to be a high tech solution. It could be something like Dash Plus or something you know different, but but uh, but similar in that regard. So moving on to the reading room this week, uh, and keeping in the same vein, uh, I want to mention a book that I I talked about a little earlier called Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy. This book is short. It's two hours and forty minutes on the Audible. Um, I don't know how many pages it is, but it's it's a short book. It's a quick read. Um, it's it's written uh, in language that's understandable, uh, and and um, you don't have to hold a thesaurus or be looking up business buzz buzzwords on on uh, the internet while you're trying to read the book. Uh, it provides some good information on on I think they have 21 tips is what he says in the in the overview of the book uh, on getting important work done and and reducing uh, the tendency to procrastinate. So uh, I really recommend it. Uh, don't don't be deceived by the apparent sim simplicity uh, of the book, uh, aka never judge a book by its cover, right? Uh, because it is it is really easy to trivialize eating ugly frogs, but it is a lot harder to live it. So I really recommend taking a, a look at uh, Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy. Like I said, it's short if you're if you're an audible listener. Otherwise, it's a, 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 a real quick read also. This week, for the Freeform Thought of the Week, I want to talk about uh, uh, what I call the story I call Jim's Notebook. And this goes along with with the theme that we've been talking about this whole episode about leveraging your strengths and uh, making sure that the tool you use is appropriate to your strengths and not trying to uh, adapt to someone else's expectations or someone else's workflow. So Jim is a, is a, a friend of mine and I was in his store uh, at this point, we were talking and uh, we'd been talking for a while, and at, at part of the conversation, he looked down at my iPad that I was, I was just holding it under my arm, and then he looked at his own day planner, and, and he kind of laughed and said uh, something along the lines of, I guess someday I'm going to have to get out of the Stone Age and, and get digital. And... Um, you know, my own love of technology gadgets notwithstanding, I I said, Jim, you, you don't have to do that. Um, what matters is that the tool works for you. And why this story is important is because Jim's notebook is not crisp and clean and unused sitting on his desk. Jim's notebook is a disaster. And I mean, and, and I don't mean that in a negative way. It, it is well used. Uh, he has notes written in pen, in pencil. He's got post-it notes. He's got business cards in there. I mean, um, it would be incomprehensible to me to pick up that notebook and try to organize Jim's day. 
all right? But Jim knows how to organize Jim's day using that notebook. And um, I think it's a, a pointed example where it you have to understand how you're going to work. You don't have to use some kind of new technology simply because it's new. If it doesn't improve your, your results, then there is no point. If, it, if an iPad does not improve your results, then that was a $900 money waste, right? It does you no good at all. In fact, it probably is worse than that because you're going to spend the money. You're going to watch Netflix at, you know, in the evening on it. It's not going to help you get anything done. And you're going to have spent a bunch of time trying to implement change that you could have spent just using the notebook that you already had and, uh, and getting results on other parts of your business. So I'm very happy to say that I was in Jim's store just a few days ago and he has not adapted to anything. He still uses that same notebook. So, um, you know, he's, he has at least in the short term, well, it's been a year or two. So he has, he seems to have reconciled himself to his, um, to using what works for him and not trying to, to force a, a round peg in a square hole. So before I close out today, uh, I want to make it clear that I'm not a curmudgeon. Um, I am a huge advocate of pushing yourself and your organization toward constant improvement. I believe that new habits are good. Uh, if all of those things are done for the right reason and with care and intent, because change costs, tools cost, and small businesses often don't have the kind of runway that larger companies do if something goes wrong. So be intentional about the tool choices that you make and don't let tools choose you. So let's roll up our sleeves and get to work. <laughs>